Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. Today we have a special guest, Josh Wilson, who's the editorial director of the NBA division at Fansided. And we have Matt and Joe. What's going on, guys? What's happening, bro? How's it going? Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, so Josh used to be site expert at Sixer Sense for a few years back in the deep process days of 10-win season. So he has a big background with the Sixers, and now he's pretty high up in Fansided. So we'll have some good content coming to you guys today. Yeah, it's always good to get back in with with you guys talking about the Sixers specifically. My scope is kind of overall now a little bit, but you know, Sixers are kind of where my heart is going through that 10-win season and everything. It's it's cool to see where the Sixers have come and um, to see how the Sixers sense has grown as a result too. So today we're going to start off with obviously some Sixers and a Sixers NBA offseason preview, just giving you everything you need. Basically, a Sixers free agency primer everything off season, but free agency starts Sunday and we're recording this on Thursday. So we have about three days before free agency starts. So we'll get into that. So let's start with the Sixers. So obviously the golden question of this entire off season is what Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris are going to do. They're eligible for the full max five year, $190 million deal. And the question is both of them are going to stay or what one of them going to go. Josh, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, for me, I think the most likely thing that's going to happen is Jimmy stays and Tobias goes. I think Jimmy is overall just a better fit and probably a better player as well. Um, I really like Tobias, but I just don't know if he's worth that money. I think he's probably going to get that money somewhere. Um, and I think the Sixers are probably going to chase that. But for him, to me, I think maybe he walks elsewhere um, and, and takes his talents. I, I'm I in Brooklyn. Uh, I don't know why I have that hunch. I don't have any intel or anything like that. But he's from Long Island, not too far from there. Um, but I think they probably bring back Jimmy and Tobias Walks, which is, all things considered, not a bad situation for Philly. Yeah, I mean, with this the trade that happened, Elton Brand was swinging for the fences on it. And I think his hope was he was obviously hoping that both would resign. But especially with that Tobias trade, I think that was more of a security blanket just in case Jimmy left. Because I think if... Jimmy does leave, let's say, for the Clippers, where it was reported today that there might be interest with him and Kawhi teaming up, or let's say Jimmy goes to Brooklyn with Kyrie, I'd say Tobias say. So I don't think there's a scenario where both of them leave. But, I mean, it's interesting. We don't know these guys personally, so we honestly have no idea until Sunday comes around. So I'm sort of with Josh. I think that Jimmy stays and that Tobias walks. However, instead of Brooklyn, I think Tobias is going to end up as a New York Knicks. Oh. I think that mainly 
because of how New York's offseason has crumbled apart right in front of their very eyes. They're probably not going to get KD. Looks like Kyrie's going to Brooklyn. Looks like at this point in time that Kemba Walker is going to be a Celtic. Kawhi's not going there. So it's like you New York for the last calendar year was banking on acquiring one of these big time free agents, but all of them are likely going to pass or move on to the team. So I think they're going to go to Tobias Harris as almost, I don't want to say an act of desperation because that makes it seem like Tobias Harris is not a very good basketball player, but I think it's more of like a last resort type of thing. I'm also in the same boat. I think if, if either one of them is going to leave, it's going to be Tobias because every report out there says that as long as Elton offers the five-year max to Jimmy, he's not going to be able to turn that. He's not going to be able to turn that down. But I'll tell you what, man, it'll be the biggest disappointment of my life if I don't see them run it back. And I, it'd be nice if they do. And obviously, it would lead to some salary constraints. But yeah, if anyone's going to leave, it's going to be Tobias. With Jimmy there and then Tobias, Tobias is going to be in probably, most likely a fourth or fifth option. He's most likely the fifth. He's the fifth option this year since he got traded. They only played about 19 games together this season. Tobias is a very low usage guy. We kind of put him in a Darius Sarge role since he got traded. And I just think the Sixers can get Jimmy and then find some more role players to fill that slot. But I will see. Elton's given every indication that he's going to give both of them the money. And if both of them want to win and – they want to get the most money, then Philadelphia's a no-brainer. I would love to see them run it back, but I just worry about both of them getting the max and then having such a thin bench, which we saw was a problem at times during the Toronto series. Exactly. And so why do you guys think that Tobias would leave? What would be your reason? I, I do think the you know him being from Long Island, I think that's something to him. Uh, spoke a little bit about him being a fourth or fifth option. Um, I think he's a little bit better when he's up the food chain, maybe second or third, um, or even if he's a solid fourth rather than fourth or fifth option on a team. I, I think he could have potentially a better situation if he goes to another team where he's just got the ball in his hands a little bit more and an opportunity to uh, show what he can do, I guess, a little bit more so than he can in Philly, um, where you know it's it's a good situation. He's around a lot of great guys with a lot of good talent, but it's um, only one ball to share. Yeah, Tobias said he was on a live broadcast for game six of the finals with Bleacher Report with Taylor Rooks. He said the most important thing for him in the offseason is style of play, and he says he likes to run up the floor, get in transition, and have there be a lot of movement. That's everything the Sixers does, but at the same time, Tobias is 26 years old, and I think at this point, he does. He signs a five-year deal, or let's say he signs a four-year deal elsewhere. He'll be a free agent again when he's 30. And he'll be eligible for the 10-year veteran max, which is like your first-year salary is a whole lot higher. Like Katie's eligible for that this year. It's just $38 million in his first year compared to $32 million that Tobias and Jimmy would both get. So I think Tobias is going to go somewhere now where he can showcase his ability and say, hey, I'm worth a max contract. So after he plays his four years, hits his prime, which I don't think he's fully hit yet. I think he started to peak it last year with the Clippers. So when he does hit 30, then he can go to – a contender and go win it. But right now I just, I don't know. I have a very strong feeling that Tobias is going to leave. I'd love for him to run it back, but I feel like this past season was almost like his coming onto the scene type of year where it's like, now you have more casual fans know who Tobias Harris is. You know what I mean? So it's like, now he's starting to make 
a name for himself as we go on. I think if he winds up in New York, that status of emergence, it's only going to increase and increase. Even if the team is bad as a whole, if he's playing under the lights at Madison Square Garden, he's only going to get more cachet as the years go on. And like you said, that next contract, that's one, that's that's the big one. I also have this feeling, too, that if Elton's able to lock up Jimmy relatively quickly, like if he offers him the five-year max and Jimmy agrees right away, I have this feeling that Elton's going to try to maybe lowball Tobias a little bit just to maybe free up a little bit of money. And if that happens, then Tobias definitely going to be searching for a little more money. Like And like Matt said earlier, maybe like a New York Knicks team who has so much cap room now that to work with that, that they'll have no problem throw, throwing at him. So, yeah, if I still think that Tobias would be the one to leave. And I also just wonder, and maybe this is kind of a stretch, but I wonder if Tobias hears what's being said and sees what's going on, and he knows that for the Sixers, it's like, yeah, Jimmy's our number, our number one priority. We'll take care of Tobias after. But I wonder if he's sort of feeling like, oh, well, they don't love me as, as much as this guy. I'm sort of, uh, I'm sort of, not not like a plan B, but I'm sort of, uh, you know, the little brother in this whole thing. So I wonder if he's gonna feel the love from Philly that another team like like the Knicks might show him. I mean, all the love that let's say Mike Scott got with all those people, everyone's in love with him, and he loves the fans. And I don't think Tobias connected as well. Then that's not really a big deal. I think that Tobias, if he says it's going to be money, and the reason he goes is just because he wants to be the guy. And I think he's in a prime position to be a guy somewhere. And they didn't have a lot of games this year. The Sixers didn't with all five of those players. Like I said, they barely played 20 games. But if Tobias goes somewhere like Brooklyn or the Clippers, goes back to the Clippers, which could maybe happen as well, he would have probably a similar chance of winning than he would with the Sixers, and he would get a lot more touches all that matters, if, if he really likes Philly and he liked Brett Brown in the system and he likes Joel Embiid and Simmons and thinks that those two guys have potential to keep getting better and better, then I think both of them have a good chance of staying. But we talked about this earlier, um, not on this podcast, but on a previous one. But the potential of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid is very huge with Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris's free agency because the ceiling that those guys can get to and the heights they can climb, if Jimmy and Tobias both think that those guys can get better and better and play next to them, then that's a big factor in free agency. I wonder if Tobias finally just wants to settle in with the team because he's already been on five teams before and you know they've all moved on from him. I wonder if he's at the point now with the Sixers, he's like, okay, I have a home, I have a place, I have like a place to stay for the near future. Yeah. That, that That's sort of how I'm looking at it for the other way. Like I said, you know, I just gave a bunch of reasons why I think Tobias might leave. This is my reason why he might stay, that he finally has a team that he can, you know, settle in. I, I totally agree with that. I think the continuity for him might be a huge thing. Um, I, I don't know why I'm harping so much on him being close to Long Island, but Philly is not that far from Long Island. His whole career at, up to this point has basically been kind of moving around, getting traded from team to team. So if he can have that continuity, he has the offseason to work on his game, not worry about moving his stuff um, and being in a new place. That could be really huge for him. I don't know if he values that enough to take less money. I think he's probably still going to be looking for the max and the Sixers probably have to pay him that to, to keep him. Um, but that's something to consider. Continuity for any player in this league 
is huge, especially um, in a pivotal off season when you're trying to, to maintain your game. All right. So JJ Redick is the Sixers third priority. I'd say this off season right now, JJ has a $15.9 million cap hold. Obviously I don't think the Sixers are going to exercise that at all because one, they can't and two, it's just not worth it for the Sixers at all. And he'll probably get an MLE if I had to guess, but last year, JJ was honestly the second option and was his set with his DHOs of Joel Embiid was one of the most consistent offensive sets the Sixers would run. Just that DHO opened up a lot for the entire offense, not just him shooting the ball off of it, but Embiid going off of it and then the second and third options off of that play. Um, do you guys think JJ comes back and do you guys think he takes a pay cut? Yeah, JJ Redick, I think he does stay and I think he does take a pay cut. We've kind of seen him grow with this team and grow with this group of guys. And it almost seems like at this point, his career is kind of winding down. He's getting closer and closer to that retirement age. And this is almost like his final project, sort of, uh, being with the Sixers, being that veteran presence, but still contributing in a big way. I think he's super impactful, probably one of the most consistent players on the roster. He goes through, you know, he had an occasional spurt last year where he would not quite shoot as well as you'd like from him. But I think he does probably take a pay cut. To, to kind of round out the end of his career. Yeah, I mean, last year, J.J. set career highs in field goal attempts, three-point attempts, and minutes per game. I mean, like we said earlier, he's such an important part of this offense. Even through the playoffs in the first series, his assignment was Joe Harris is one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. In the second round, it was Danny Green. And he excelled in both of those challenges, Faith coming head-on, playing surprisingly good defense on both of those guys. And, yeah, he is a very – He's not consistent at times, but this year his inconsistency could be marked by the amount of minutes and the amount of burden he had because he had the most he had the most burden on him and most weight on his shoulders this year than he had any year in his career just with how much weight he had to carry for the Sixers this season. So like he, like we said earlier, he's gotten paid 38 million dollars in his last two years, and especially that first year, him getting 23 million on that one year deal, that was obviously an overpayment. And I think that was Brian Colangelo at the time, RIP. Um, him just saying, hey, JJ, we'll give you a lot of money now. Once we get good, trust the process, and you'll take a pay cut and we can start winning. Yeah, and when you pay a guy that much money, you would think that it shows how much they value him as a part of their team, and you would think that he would you know, give that love back and take a pay cut for another year on the team. Plus, JJ's been on the record saying that he'd love to end his career in Philly. I forget which interview it was, but he, he did say that. But – I wouldn't be surprised, though, if a team in need of shooting, like maybe the Lakers, throw a, a bunch of money at him to try and lure him away. But I, I still think that he resigns here for another year, at least. Yeah, so I'm saying if you end up losing both Tobias Harris and J.J. Redick, I think that shrinks the floor a whole bunch for the Sixers this season. So I think the Sixers, I can make an argument that J.J. Redick is almost as important, if not as important, to re-sign as Tobias Harris for that reason. Yeah, that's definitely a valid point. Do you guys think he gets an MLE, or do you guys think he's on a vet then? I think it all depends on what Jimmy and Tobias do. You know, if one of them you know, doesn't come back, then you'll have at least a, some room to give him some space. But, I mean, you, you want to hope that he'll take the MLE after all the money that they've committed to him over the past couple of years, but who knows, maybe he gets a better offer from another team out there. 
Yeah, that means uh, that seems like a little bit of a diss to how valuable he is to the team. Um, I kind of hope that they give him the MLE. That that seems like a a good grace payment to him, um, even though they overpaid him that one year, the $22 million or whatever. Um, but, yeah, he was also on his podcast today. I think someone pointed out uh, that he was referring to the Sixers as us still. So I don't know if maybe just because free agency hasn't started, he just, you know, is still locked into this is my team until, you know, moratorium starts. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's locked into the mission of this team. He wants to see this through. Uh, and that kind of speaks to what the Sixers have built here and the culture they have, right? Like um, guys want to win here. They want to see that this process was worth it and that it is going to actually lead to something um, and that that something is more than just, you know, a – almost conference finals visit or a conference championship, um, the end result should be an NBA finals. And for a guy like him coming out toward the end of his career, uh, that would be a great way to go out. So, yeah, I think there might be some attractive offers out there, but there's probably not going to be big offers from a team that is likely to go to the finals and likely to compete for a championship. So if you look at it from that perspective, you can pay a couple million dollars to potentially win an NBA championship in one of your final years of your career uh, with an impactful role where you're scoring um, quite a bit. Uh, that That's huge, I think. Uh, and that seems like something, the, the things that J.J. Redick might value. And J.J. also lives very, very close to Philadelphia as well. He actually lives in Brooklyn, so he just keeps making that commute. It's pretty close to home. He's a New York native. Continue on Josh's New York um, trend. But <laughs> I just looked up stats on J.J. and Tobias while Tobias was with the Sixers and J.J.'s stats this year. So J.J.'s usage rate this year was 21.9, and he averaged 18.1 points per game on 44% shooting from the field and 39.7% from three. Tobias was a, had a 21.3% usage rate, averaged 18.8 points per game on 47% shooting from the field, only 32.6% from three. Um, so like we said, or I think Matt was saying this, that they're very similar players with their importance to the Sixers and like, obviously Tobias is a lot more versatile on both sides of the ball, but their stats were pretty similar. And I don't know, I I guess if, if Tobias leaves, I think JJ's a lock to stay definitely. So if Tobias does leave, then JJ's probably gonna get a multi-year contract from the Sixers. I think if, Tobias stays, we'll probably give him a non-taxpayer MLE since we'll be in the luxury tax. But I think, I mean, I think JJ stays no matter what, though. Yeah, and can we address the fact that he's aged like fine wine over the course of his career? I mean, he he just finished his age 34 season and had the highest scoring, you know, season of his career. And it, it's pretty insane how well he's how 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 good he is for the age that he's playing in right now. Yeah, and it's not like he plays an easy game like he said a couple times this this season or once the playoffs or whatever uh like i get no space and it's true like he has to sprint off those screens and curl so fast and elevate to a level that gets him uh where he creates space above players who are defending him really well like it's it's not an easy game to play it's not like he's just going out there like Shaq in his final years and just kind of like moseying up the court it was defense too which is super surprising like we talked about in the in the playoffs, he just went to another level. And I guess he's not the most engaged defender all the time. 
just because most of his energy is on offense. But when he when he needs to be, he can be a capable defender. I just think he adds a gear to the Sixers team that takes the whole thing up a notch. And you know what? I, I find it hard to believe that there's another team, organization, or city that will em- embrace J.J. Redick the way that Philadelphia has over the last few years. All right, so next two guys, or I guess we could group these guys together for the Sixers parties this offseason. Mike Scott and James Ennis. So I believe that the Sixers can only bring back one of the two got one of these two, Mike or James. I think Sixers fans will tell you they'd rather have Mike Scott, but from a basketball standpoint, I think James Ennis is the better option. He's more versatile, can create more by himself. Josh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm a huge Mike Scott guy, uh, but like you said, like, what does he bring to the team? You know, I don't want to discredit his basketball skills, but what does he bring to the team besides the memes, right? Um, <laughs> I, I truly don't know if James Ennis is, you know, that much of an upgrade over Mike Scott, though, and Mike Scott has that kind of the undefinable aspect about him that you can't really say like, well, he brings this specific thing to the table, just kind of all around his personality is really good for the team. Um, that's kind of a trap though, to get into thinking like uh, the intangibles like that. Like that's something that is fine for when the Sixers were tanking. It's cool to have a bunch of guys around like Pappy Jack who are, you know, ideally cool basketball players and interesting people. Um, but doesn't really work in the real world when you're trying to win basketball games. So I can see making the argument for James Ennis. Uh, I would go Mike Scott here. He had some good three-point shooting streaks throughout the season. Uh, I could see you arguing either side of the coin here, though. Yeah, I can see arguing either side of the coin, just like you said. But I think Mike Scott provides more of a spark to lug off the bench than James Ennis. And I know that's not that shouldn't be the end all be all that shouldn't be the the decision maker in this whole thing, but I just feel like he provides that energy off the bench more so than James Ennis does. And with with these players being so close and having this decision be so tight, that might be a feather in Mike Scott's cap that kind of gives him the nod. The Sixers would choose to bring him back over James Ennis. Yeah, I think if we're talking about the ability to, you know, re-sign for next year, uh, Mike Scott probably has that edge over Ennis. Ennis was so good in the playoffs that I think that he earned himself a pretty decent payday this upcoming summer. So he's definitely going to be exploring the market. And I think, you know, Mike Scott, he, he ingratiated himself so much into the community and he embraced it too. And he, he, he said that, you know, coming here gave him a jolt to his career. And so I think that there would be much more wiggle room when with negotiating a deal with Mike Scott as opposed to Ennis, you know, depending on – obviously depending on the markets that either one of them have. Yeah, like Josh just said, James Ennis isn't much of an upgrade over Mike Scott. And James Ennis had such a big playoffs this year that teams are likely going to throw a lot of money at him. And James is more versatile defensively. He can score off the dribble. Mike Scott's more of a heat check guy where he's just a spot-up three-point shooter, and when he's hot, you just want to keep feeding him the ball. And my favorite part is when Mike Scott gets two, when he hits two or three threes in a row and he starts shooting uh, step-back jump shots off the dribble. But 
Mike Scott's going to be a lot cheaper option, and I think he's definitely very likely to stay at the Sixers. On prob- I'd say Mike Scott is probably returning on a deal close to what he made last season, which was $4.3 million. So he'll probably make – his cap hold is $5.184 million. So I could see him getting a two- or three-year contract for 10 to $15 million. My favorite tweet about Mike Scott was when someone said that he's the guy that learns one dribble move and that just uses it over and over again over the next like <laughs> few ga- games. Um, fun question to think about if Mike Scott leaves and or if James Ennis leaves, what team do you think would be most likely to take a chance on either of those two? I think they're both going to have a lot of options. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it, it's tough to put a gauge on that this year because so many players are free agents uh, and so many teams have money to use. But I think they're going to be you know, not too expensive and they bring some good qualities to the table. So I think any number of teams, probably every other team that has money to spend uh, would look at picking those guys up. I mean, I, I think Scott's going to want to go to a contender and I think most of them will throw money at him. So, I mean, a team, I mean, he used to play for the Clippers, so maybe he could go back to L.A. Or just, he's, there's going to be a lot of guys Mike can go to. I don't think he's going to want to go to a team that's not winning a lot of basketball because he's, I mean, it was his, he's only, he's 30 right now. So he's still sort of young, but I still think that Scott, after this playoffs, is in a win-now mindset. So if he leaves Philly, I think he's definitely going to a contender. I wonder if Scott, if he might go to the Lakers and, sort of be their version of J.R. Smith if the Lakers <laughs> don't get the actual J.R. Smith. And what I mean by that is being this 3 and D guy, and obviously we know he's been in Los Angeles the last couple of years, so maybe he wants to go back and play there, albeit for the other team. I could definitely see him go to the Lakers. Just, I don't think the Lakers are going to get a max guy. So Mike Scott... Could be like we said, five, six, seven million dollars per year. I could see the Lakers throwing him like three years, twenty-one million, kind of like Urson got last year from the Bucks. We'll see those. Mike Scott did shoot forty-one percent from three with the Sixers this season, and he just is a perfect guy to throw in that three or four slot. And he can defend both forward positions, so he's he's versatile in that sense. James Ennis is more capable to guard, defend guards. But either one of those guys is a good replacement. I think James is going to get a lot of money and head out. So Boban Marjanovic was another fan favorite in Philadelphia. He has a $10.5 million cap hold that the Sixers are not going to exercise. And I think this offseason, for the Sixers especially, I think he's a good option during the regular season against certain teams to go out there and play 10 to 15 minutes. Like I remember that one game where he started and had, what, 20 points and – 12 rebounds in about like 15 minutes. He'll have those nights for you, but once he gets to playoff time, Boban isn't your guy. Wasn't going to be your backup center to get minutes. What do you guys think the Sixers do, and if he comes back? I'll tell you what. It'd be a good play to bring him back to maybe appeal to Tobias a little bit, you know. But I mean, do you really want Boban to be your legitimate backup center? I mean, I, I love the guy. I mean, he obviously brings you know a certain you know, gimmick with him, but do you, do you really want him as your backup center as opposed to maybe going after like a Dwayne Deadman, a Kyle Quinn, or even a Noah Vonley to be your backup center? I mean, I wouldn't mind if they brought him back, but I would I would be I would, I'd be fine if they didn't, to be honest. 
I think it was either you or Josh that said that a lot of what Mike Scott brings to the table um, are memes. And I feel like Boban almost fits in that category too, where it's like he's a, he's a fan favorite in that sense. But when it comes to actual basketball, I'm not sure he's serviceable to be a backup center and give Embiid enough rest, which at this point, I feel like we just have to accept the fact that he's always going to need some form of load management. And I'm not sure that Boban's the guy that we can distribute those type of minutes to and expect um, expect quality basketball and quality service. Yeah, I just... Remember in that first round against Brooklyn, we threw Boban in the game in the second quarter, and they just kept pulling him out to the perimeter, getting him a switch on pick and rolls, and just completely destroyed him. And he literally lasted two minutes on the floor, and then Brett Brown had to take him out. And once again, it's an important basketball. It's with this positionless basketball there is now, and teams being able to draw centers out to the perimeter to get him on switches, Boban just isn't very valuable. And yeah, he's a great teammate. He's a really funny guy. He's good to have on the team, like we said, for non-basketball reasons. But for basketball reasons, there's not much value in him besides what he can bring for Tobias. We could see this sort of similar to Kyrie luring KD into going to Brooklyn, sort of with Boban. But Boban is not going to be a day one, two, or three, or probably not even a day five free agent sign. He's going to be one of those later guys that comes on with an MLE or one of those lower contracts so I don't think Boban is going to be signed before Tobias. There's absolutely no way that happens. So I think Boban does walk. He says that there's a 90% chance that he stays. He got interviewed. So that would be nice. If he wants to sign for super cheap and be the third center, then that's fine. But I, like Joe said, I'd rather have Noah Vonley or another guy that back up. Wait, uh, real quick. Can you hear my dog breathing right now? Your dog? Yeah, she's loud as shit. I don't know if you heard her or not. No. Uh. All right, just making sure. <laughs> All right, so we can just fly through this last one. This one's TJ McConnell. I think this one will be pretty quick. TJ had a good stint with the Sixers. He's the definition of the process, I think. I think him and Rocco are the two definitions of the process. TJ, undrafted guy out of Arizona, came on on a podcast. He was with Woj. He's talking about how he came in as one of the last guys for those tryouts for uh, the summer league team. And he absolutely shined in that end of the training camp and ended up just making the roster on those 10 win Sixers teams. And he also has a big connection with the fans. And he had a good stint with the Sixers. He's a $1.6 million cap hold. But teams like Phoenix, uh, is really funny. Lakers are rumored to get him because the Lakers are just point guard thirsty right now. There's a lot of teams that are need a point guard, need a backup point guard that have cap that will probably throw TJ north of $5 million that the Sixers will not pay him because – like in the playoffs, like we said earlier, he's not playable. The Sixers are in a win-now mode, and they need to win. And this offseason, they have to look at guys that will play in the playoffs. And TJ, like Boban, is not one of those guys. So I think TJ is going to find himself a new home. I loved him while he's here. Great guy, great teammate, but we're going to have to say bye to him. Yeah, with TJ, when it came to the playoffs, he was just kind of a huge detriment on the defensive end. Can't keep up with some of those quicker and super athletic point guards. Um, so uh, I, I think, you know, it's been great to have him these past years. It seems like every season we say about him, oh, well, time's up for TJ. It's been a nice run. Great to have you, but it's time to get moving. Uh, he seems to defy the odds. But I think this is actually probably the end of the road 
but the cool thing that we can see about this is before, if the Sixers were to say goodbye to him, he probably wouldn't find another gig in the NBA. Now at this point, he's proved himself to the point where uh, he's actually probably going to find uh, a serviceable role on possibly a good team. Yeah, I just find it hard to believe that, you know, when it comes to playoff time, that TJ's going to be playing meaningful minutes with the Sixers. So I, I think it's just best for both sides if they part ways and move on. And I, I, I love TJ. I, I love what he would bring to the table, but I'm just not sure that he brings that much value to this team specifically. I I have a TJ poster in my dorm, but I think it's I think it's the end of the road. Unfortunately, I love you TJ though. We heard Ellen talk about this earlier last week that Shake Milton is likely going to get converted to an NBA contract. That frees up another two way. We also waived Haywood Highsmith, so there's options for the Sixers undrafted free agents to get two ways since we have we'll have two more two way contracts open. I think Shake's going to be converted to an NBA contract, and I think. Shake's obviously still pretty raw, but he showed flashes last year of playmaking and three-point shooting ability from backup point guard spot. Do you guys think? Do you guys think that Shake's gonna get converted to a contract and give the Sixers valuable minutes next year? Yeah, I don't know about valuable minutes. I think they'll definitely convert him to that contract. Um, well, maybe valuable minutes. I just don't think plenty of minutes. Um, kind of depends on how they fill out the rest of the roster and free agency, obviously. But this is one of those areas that I think the Sixers need to look at. They have basically, if they basically run it back next year with the core guys, um, pretty much all of their, most of their money locked up. So they need to look for ways to improve around the margins with small purchases on guys. Uh, and you know, Jake Milton's not going to run you, uh, up too much money. Uh, you can use him. He can basically shoot him beyond the arc, which is exactly what you need right now. So, um, I, I think he's going to have some value. I, a lot of the season is going to be developing him, getting him some minutes in the regular season. I feel like he might play first round of the playoffs this year if things go well, but I foresee him kind of falling out of the rotation after that. Uh, but it's a, it's a good move to sign him. I'm a big fan of teams looking for ways to keep things moving and keep talent rotating in and developing while you've got your, your core guys moving forward um, because that's obviously key for these competitive teams. It's so easy once – once your time is up with your your era of competitiveness, um, it's so easy to fall off to just be basically nothing, not competitive at all anymore. And um, having guys like Shake to develop beneath the talent kind of helps them, uh, I guess, stay competitive for longer, hopefully, or, or have better odds of remaining competitive for uh, five plus years. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he does in um, summer league. Elton said that he's never seen a guy more excited to to participate in summer league before. But um, I would love to see if he's able to develop to at least a guy who can get who can compete for backup point guard minutes, depending on how they address that situation, which is definitely going to be a need this summer. But I, I really I really think like like Jack said, he's raw, but he's got a he's got a lot of potential there. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. I'm, I I do feel positive and confident about his growth as a player. So you know, just like you guys said, I'm I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to watch how he develops as the year goes on and but you know I don't have I don't have too much to add I just think the you just saw a future ahead of him so I think the Sixers are going to use the biannual exception 
on Shake Milton. We saw the New York Knicks use this on Alonzo Trier last year. So basically, the biannual exception is 3% of the total salary cap. So that's going to be about $3.6 million. So I can see the Sixers giving Shake a two-year, $7 million contract. The Sixers did not use the biannual exception last year. Teams can only use it every two years. So I think the Sixers could go ahead and use their biannual on Shake and get that off the books. And that's a decent contract, I'd say, for a guy like Shake. Yeah, that's that's really good money, and that's yeah, that's a really good uh, usage of that. I think uh, worked out super well for the Knicks with Alonzo, um, and that's great money for him. Outside of the guys the Sixers do have now, if the Sixers bring back Jimmy and Tobias, what do you think are potential guys the Sixers are going to target in free agency? I think you know they have to look for those shooters, and hopefully those guys that can play defense as well. I'm thinking. Uh, I don't know, like like Marcus Morris might be a good option. Uh, my wild card, um, just because I liked him in his two 10-day contracts, was Corey Brewer. Uh, not the greatest shooter, but he was fun. Um, Seth Curry, maybe, that's an option as well. Uh, and then also I feel like they could add some some center depth too, maybe. Uh, look at Dwayne Dedman. That's a, that's a good option that I think they could look at. Uh, I'm trying to keep it realistic here because they just are not going to have that much money to use. And it kind of depends on how much ownership is willing to spend with the tax. Um, But yeah, they're going to have to look for those kind of small price players that help them improve on the margins. And I think you got to look for those people who can hit shots at a halfway decent level. Yeah. Another um, uh, Frank Kaminsky, he wasn't given a qualifying offer from Charlotte. That's another potential option at at backup center. And um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they, you know, work about you know the financial constraints that they could have if, if they do run it back, because say you give your mid level to JJ and you give the biannual to Shake, now you have what you know a couple million to work with to try to fill in some needs. I really think that backup center and backup point guard are probably the two pressing needs that they need to address. Just some names off the top for backup guards that could probably be a little cheap. Guys like Shelvin Mack, maybe Corey Joseph, depending on his market, Emmanuel Moutier, maybe even Derrick Rose. You never know about that. But it'll be interesting to see how they go about this summer. Yeah, and to add on to that, uh, I was thinking maybe guys like Darren Collison or Jeremy Lamb, you know, just those shooters, those scores coming off the bench, those guys who can make plays. Um, just these, these lower-end guys who probably won't have too much of a market, but... I feel like those are a couple of realistic guys that the Sixers might be able to bring into their squad. Jeremy Lin's a good call out because with him, like that's kind of what you see the Raptors do this year, right? Like they add a Jeremy Lin basically uh, kind of as a, we hope we don't have to use him, but we have him if we do need to use him and they don't end up using him in the playoffs, but you have him on your bench. It's kind of like your insurance policy. Um, so having a guy like him, if for the right price, uh, not a terrible idea. And he's an NBA champion now, so. So, I have a few options for that backup point guard slot, and this is if Jimmy and Tobias both resign, so they'd be lower money guys. But Justin Holiday was rumored to get traded to the Sixers throughout last year, and he's an unrestricted free agent. He averaged 10.5 points and 40 rounds per game last year. So, I think that would be a good option there. Like we also said, Frank Kaminsky, Nando DiColo is a free agent as well. 
this year there's a lot of options. Thaddeus Young could also make a return to Philadelphia this year. But another fourth option is J. Michael Green. He's with the Clippers last year. But J. Michael Green's a very versatile three or four guy that can get you points off the bench and is a very good rebounder for his size. So what do you guys think about like Isaiah Thomas making a Sixers signing this summer for like, maybe <laughs> a backup or a third-string point guard role? Third-string maybe, but uh, backup even might be a hard pass for me. As much yeah. as I'd love it, I, don't, I would be very hesitant about that one. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. I would get an Isaiah Thomas jersey, but I don't know about that. That'd be funny just to troll Celtics fans, right? Oh, the Isaiah Thomas revenge game on <laughs> Christmas Day? Yes. At TD Garden. Oh, 50 points at the Garden. Man, I, I, uh, I don't know about that one either, but, you know, just to go on a tangent, there's really not a player in the NBA that I feel worse for than Isaiah Thomas because – Obviously, you guys know, like, me being from Boston, I saw, like, how the city embraced him and how much he was loved. And I mean, like, absolutely adored in the city, especially that game where he dropped 53 in the overtime win against the Wizards. And it just felt like he took the city over. And it looked like he was on track to get this huge contract. But he played through injury, got hurt even worse, and they traded him for Kyrie. So he went from potentially earning a $100-plus million contract, now he's... You know, Lord knows if he's ever going to be anything higher than a team's eighth or ninth man. Danny really did him dirty with that one. I feel I feel so bad for the guy. Yeah, some guys just fall out and he missed out on $100 million. It's tough. I think a, another option for backup center that'd probably be pretty cheap would be Joakim Noah or Zaza Pachulia. Those guys are getting older, but I think those contracts would be pretty viable and would be too expensive. So... Guys to bring back, let's say Tobias walks. What are guys that you would bring back to fill that starting role uh, for the Sixers in that three or four slot? I've got uh, Thad Young in there. I know you had him in the uh, if if they bring back both Jimmy and Tobias. I think he's going to cost a little bit more than they can afford in that scenario. So I had him in this one here. Uh, Thad's a player that kind of took me a while to come around on. I didn't see a whole lot of value in his game. Um, just because offensively he tends to get a little bit stagnant. Uh, but if you – and then someone told me, I think, at one point to sit down and just watch him an entire game. He really does a lot of little things on both ends of the floor that are super hustle-oriented and things that you're not going to get from just any old player. Um, so I like him a lot. I'd enjoy his return to Philly. Uh, if they can get him, I don't know how much of a long shot this is and really even what the market might look like. Uh, but Wayne Ellington would be good as well. Um, adding that shooting would be solid. Kind of a wild card, but um, what would you think about maybe a Rudy Gay, possibly? That would be interesting. Yeah. Questionable from three, but I think he's he's a decent scorer. I don't know how realistic this is, and he left kind of a sour taste in my mouth after watching him in the last playoff series he played. But what would you guys think of someone like uh, Nikola Mirotic? I like Nikola Mirotic. You can stretch the floor as well, and he can rebound. I think he'd be a great fit alongside. I mean, more like a – he's a, I'd say, white-collar Mike Muscala. So, an upgrade at that spot. <laughs> he also played the backup five when Joel's not on the floor. I feel like he's going to get paid by somebody that that probably missed out. Again, I feel like maybe L.A. goes after him. I mean, I feel like – I don't know if the Bucks are going to bring him back, but – I've, someone's someone's going to give him some money. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to return to Milwaukee. If you watched uh, the conference finals against the Raptors, you saw that Miritich was becoming lesser and lesser of a player almost. He was becoming less effective to the point where he was almost unplayable, or pretty much was. And that's what I mean when I say he left a sour taste in my mouth. Whereas, like, if you asked me this, if we were talking about this a month and a half, two months ago, I would have been pretty high on him. But, you know, it's not that I don't think he wouldn't impact the Sixers well or be a good fit. I'm, I'm just not sure if he could be reliable in high-intensity playoff moments. I think a few viable guys that power forward, combo forward spot would be, like you said, Rudy Gay. But I think... I know Josh mentioned Marcus Morris earlier. I think Marcus Morris is going to be one of the most overpaid guys this summer. I think teams are going to throw 15-ish million, 20 maybe, probably 15 million at him this summer. And I don't think the Sixers would throw that money towards him. But a guy like maybe, I don't think Alfred Camino is a guy to start for a team like the Sixers. He doesn't really spread the floor as well. But Trevor Reza is a vet that can spread the floor, a great three-point shooter. He kind of had an off year last year playing for the Suns and the Wizards. But you put him in that power forward role with the Sixers, he can get def- he can guard multiple positions, brings that defense, and his three-point shooting ability is very, very valuable. All right, so guys, the Sixers should target if both Jimmy and Tobias leave. Here you got to go big, right? Like if, if you miss out on two max guys, you got to go after at least one max guy. So, I mean, they're getting that Kawhi meeting supposedly. Uh, KD I wouldn't go after just because you're trying to compete next year and it looks like he's going to be out the whole season. Um, so that doesn't seem like the most logical move. Kawhi seems like next in line for, uh, you know, logical next in line if you don't get any of those. But if they can't get him, um, I guess I'd go in hard on one of those, you know, several of those guys that we mentioned uh, that you might bring back if only one of them return uh, just to close out your roster. I wonder if they'd be willing to make a gamble on Chris Middleton. It's not a bad thought. He's not worth $190 million, but if the Bucks offer it to him, he's not going to decline that. What about a, a Harrison Barnes? I, f- I feel like that's uh, – I think he's going to be pretty underpaid because he declined that $25 million option, which might come back to haunt him. But would you consider maybe throwing a, throwing some money at him? Possibly. I, I'd be a little hesitant about that one. but I would be hesitant as well about that one. I don't think I'd give him a ton of money, but if he falls and he's knocking, um, you know, what we might ex- – expect him to get that's a good option um somebody tossed out to me today the idea of the Sixers possibly adding Al Horford uh kind of as a joke but the more you think about it the more you think that could potentially work in a world um and Al Horford is pretty much the Embiid stopper so for if no other reason you have the guy on your team who has given trouble to Embiid time and time again so that is uh one less thing for him to worry about that would be a good contract in the first year or two, and he he's literally Embiid's kryptonite. So have Horford on in that power forward role. And Horford has said multiple times that he likes playing the power forward position better than center, and he's such a versatile defender. And his three point shot is so good, and just his playmaking ability that you can literally kind of throw him in on every any team, and he's going to bring you value. So I would I would go probably Al Horford first. A second guy I'd probably go after would be that's probably reasonable would be a guy like obviously Malcolm Brogdon. If it's not too, the price isn't too much. I wouldn't give him more than 20 million a year, but maybe like a four year, $80 million option for him would be okay. Maybe Paul Millsap three years, 45 million. 
in that range for him, maybe. He's getting up there in age, but again, he's a versatile guy that can play both four positions, can rebound the crap out of the ball. And then Danny Green, maybe, just that shooting role, could play the uh, small four position. You could have um, small forward or shooting guard. Sorry, I'm really tired. I'm just spitting stuff out. But um, those guys, but one one guy I'm not high on is Bojan Bogdanovic. I think he's going to be very overpaid this summer. I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole if I was Philly. Would you guys ever consider going them going after Julius Randle? Not for the money that it sounds like he's going to get. I think Julius Randle's a good player, had a huge year this year. Um, but I think he's getting close to his ceiling. Yeah, I agree with you. It seems like it's almost like what he is now, that's that's what he is. Sort of like you said, he's reaching his ceiling. Like This is kind of who he's going to be. Which is like a, it's a very good player, but it's not not a game changer, not a huge huge difference maker. Yeah, and that's kind of what you know when you're in the position of the Sixers, you might have a lot of good looks at free agents who are really good players that some teams would love to have meetings with those players, but when you're trying to win a championship, it's a it's a different game. How much would you be willing to throw at Terrence Ross if it has to come down to that? No more than ten million. Yeah. Kind of the contract he had last time. So, Matt, you can take the reins of this. Can you talk about the Rockets trying to send out Clint Capella, P.J. Tucker, and Eric Gordon to try to get a sign-and-trade for Jimmy Butler? Man, I am not sure what is going on in H-Town. It just seems like this team is on the ultimate level of the panicking stage. And here's what I mean. If, if it weren't for the Warriors, arguably the greatest dynasty in the history of basketball, the Rockets might have a ring or two by now. You bring in exactly what you had and go into next season, the Warriors are not going to be the same team. KD's probably not going to play at all next year. Clay Thompson's not going to make a return until at least February or March. So who's to say that the Rockets should not be looked at as the favorites in the West? I know you could say the Lakers with LeBron and AD, but at least the Rockets are proven. We know what they are. We're not sure how the Lakers are going to pan out. And they still have roster spots to fill. I'm, if I'm the Rockets, I'm standing pat. I'm keeping what I have and just running it back, not to steal the line from the Sixers. I just feel like Daryl Morey, he is being very impatient. I think he's being overdramatic. I think he's panicking too much. And frankly, I just, I don't think Jimmy Butler on that team specifically works. And I don't see why Jimmy Butler would want to go to the Rockets. I don't know. It just seems like one big mess to me. It seems like the Rockets are in a flux because they lost the dynasty warriors the last two years. But like I said, I would just redo it all again next year. Hopefully, you bank on that Chris Paul's going to play at least 55, 60 games where he's not missing extended time, and you don't need James Harden to put all that wear and tear on his body and go on this historic run. And you hope that you don't start the season 11-14 or whatever it was that they started out last year. And this team could realistically be a 55-60 win team. I just... I just don't know what they're doing. I just don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. I think they need to stop all this right now because 
I just don't see Jimmy Butler going to the Rockets. Yeah, I think if, if they ran it back, they probably would be pretty close again to where they were, if not further along. Um, they probably would have gotten better playoff positioning if they didn't start the season with Carmelo Anthony. Uh, so that's a whole factor for them to consider. Some of the guys on their team have even said we were super close this year. It kind of just feels like a few things had to click for them. And the Jimmy Butler thing is really weird because um, the Rockets, it's almost like Daryl Morey's pushing some like entitled – well, if we want him, we can get him. But it's kind of predicated on the Sixers signing and trading him. Um, and I don't understand if you're the Sixers why you would agree to do that uh, because Houston doesn't have really many great fits in terms of what they can offer back in the trade. The mechanics of it, I'm sure you guys have read all those articles about that, are really difficult. And Philly's like alternative option to that is just not letting, not signing Jimmy at all and just letting him walk to wherever. And that seems kind of like a better option to just take that money instead of signing Jimmy to a contract and hope he can get good stuff back from Houston. I'd rather they just let him, if that's the case, if Jimmy really wants to go to Houston, I would say that's fine. You can do a sign and trade with another team and take the four-year contract rather than the five and just take that money and, and get some players out of it rather than whatever Houston can figure out how to offer back to you in a trade. I'm starting to think more and more that there's a good chance that it's a leverage play on behalf of Jimmy's camp to sort of leak this out in the media to ensure that he gets that five-year max from Elton. Because if we're really thinking, I mean, is there a really good reason for Jimmy to go to Houston aside from the fact that he's from that area? Because if they insert him into that lineup, he's going to be a bystander for pretty much most of the game while Harden does his thing and then Chris Paul takes the reins of the offense. Yeah, I really... Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And... That, that's the thing, like, from a basketball standpoint, it doesn't make sense. In Philly, even, with the guys they have, sometimes he's a he's a bit of a bystander. And that's with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. No discredit to them, but neither of them are particularly, like, ball hogs or guys who are just want to dominate and run the entire offense. James Harden does that to the nth degree. And there's good reason for that. He's a great player. He's got great moves. He's the best player on that team. Um, but he... Jimmy Butler is just going to be standing off on the wing, like on eight out of 10 of their possessions. And the big difference is too, he knows that if he's here, when the fourth quarter comes around, that that's, that's his quarter. Oh, 100%. And who, and who knows if that's, if it's going to be his quarter, if he goes to Houston, I mean, I highly doubt it. They'll just give the ball to, to Harden all the time. Yeah. Like if, if, if you picture you're hundred percent right. If you picture the Rockets taking a last shot with that roster, uh, with those three, Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul, James Harden, it's definitely not, Chris Paul, uh, you could argue maybe in certain situations it's Jimmy Butler, but I'm thinking nine times out of ten that is James Harden's shot. That's what they're going to draw up for him. On the Sixers, we saw like almost every time they needed a final shot, Jimmy Butler was the guy, right? Like you don't like maybe in certain situations you give Joel Embiid the ball in the post if you've got lots of seconds on the clock, um, but Jimmy Butler's taking that shot for you if you need a three pointer. He did that against the Hornets, one of his big moments to start the season. Um, There's just on the Rockets. He just doesn't fit his style of play. It's just not a good fit all around. I don't think he would want to go there Um, to me. There might be something to that with the Jimmy Butler, his camp putting things out there. But to me, this seems more like the Rockets uh, and they're entitled kind of pushing things to try and, I guess, report them into existence. And I, it it just is not an easy thing to work out. And I just don't think it's going to happen. And also, just one more thing to add on to that. 
you know, I know that Jimmy's on the record saying that he's all about winning and the, he doesn't really care that much about the money, but, I mean, are you really going to tell me that he's going to turn down a $50 million pay cut to go to Houston? I mean, I, I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe that. Yeah, and also, just thinking about it from a money standpoint, you have Chris Paul on a five-year, $190 million max contract. If Jimmy does a sign-and-trade, that's five years, $190 million. And then James Harden's four-year, $228 million deal, uh, which will also six years with the extension. So all of that money between those three guys – that usually all play a ball-dominant ISO role on offense. That just doesn't make any sense at all. What usually happens is Chris Paul and James switch off doing ISO plays, and Chris Paul sometimes does some off-ball stuff or set James up, but James Harden is such a high-usage guy. I think he's one of the most unappealing stars for free agents to go to, and I don't see any reason why Jimmy Butler would actually want to go to Houston. I think – that this is just a whole bunch of BS, and this actually there's not much validity to this. If I heard Woj or Sham say that they've heard Jimmy Butler would think about doing this, then I would sort of believe it. But all we've heard now is Daryl Morey wants to clear out Capella, Eric Gordon, and PJ Tucker so that they can try to get Jimmy. So it's not like Jimmy has said that he wants to go here. I think it's just Daryl Morey being desperate. I think it looks like. Daryl Moore is usually a pretty smart guy, but he might be fighting for his job right now, and this might be his only shot trying to get Jimmy lure him in. But like Joe was saying earlier, I think this is the Rockets to just run it back. They were with now the at least Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson being out for an undetermined amount of time. The West is completely open, and if they can add a few guys this offseason to add, and they think they can beat that Lakers team, who's probably has the best chance in the West, unless Kawhi goes there with another top-tier free agent, I think the Rockets have one of the best chances to go to the finals. So trading for Jimmy just depletes their depth, and I don't think it'd work at all. Yeah, and well, at this point, too, though, you got to think, if they don't get Jimmy, what does their locker room culture look like next year after Daryl Morey has been speaking about moving Clint and moving Eric Gordon and stuff? Um, you're talking about trading a lot of key guys if you don't end up moving them. So who knows? Maybe they come in and they're ticked off and, and they're not happy about being in the Rockets organization next year. Desperation type of thing by Maury for him to put this out there and get people talking about it. Maybe he's not too, too serious about it at all. He just wanted to make headlines and stir the pot. Maybe rile his team up. You know, call it whatever you want. I just... I don't understand it from either side. I don't understand why the Rockets would do it. I don't understand why Jimmy Butler would want that. And I don't understand why the Sixers would want that. It really doesn't make sense for any of them. I just think the Rockets need to run it back. They need to take what they have and go again next year. The only reason that the Rockets do not have a title right now is because they ran into the greatest dynasty in basketball history. And you guys know that I've been a a staunch... Rockets supporter, especially since I picked them to beat the Warriors in seven games, which I was let down, of course, and I should have seen it coming. But they, they, they're not, they don't look good right now. Moy doesn't look good right now. I just, this whole thing just, it, it genuinely causes me frustration when I read about it on Twitter or so, other social media or whatever. It's, I'm telling you what, it'll be hilarious if after all the speculation and all this freaking out about. Uh, Jimmy going to Houston, you know, leads to Jimmy just signing the max at 6.01 p.m. on Sunday or shortly after it. I've actually got to run, guys.
All right. Hey, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, yes. appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. See you later. Talk to you soon. All right. So one last thing for the Sixers offseason. Sign Jared Dudley. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.